They are highly trained, well equipped, and they are coming to your door. They are about to tell you and your neighbors that you've been believing in the wrong God and the wrong Jesus. They are the Jehovah's Witnesses, and perhaps it is they who are wrong. How would you answer our Jehovah's Witnesses friend? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. Dr. Zuckerman is an expert on world religions, religious cults, and is a popular author and speaker on these topics. Today, he analyzes the Jehovah's Witnesses, and we encourage you not to close the door on the Jehovah's Witnesses, but to offer them good biblical information that could change their lives and get them on the road away from this destructive cult. And we have resources on our website that will help you do just that. Evidenceandanswers.org. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. Past shows that you can download. Books, articles, interviews with experts, and more. So go now to evidenceandanswers.org. And now here's Pat Zuckerman with part two of Witnessing to the Witnesses of Jehovah. Well, remember, Jehovah Witnesses made several predictions, embarrassing predictions that did not come to pass. One of the predictions they made is that Christ will return to destroy the kingdoms of the world and establish his kingdom in 1914. Well, in 1914, of course, Christ did not come back. And so they changed that doctrine. They said, well, his return was invisible. He came to earth invisibly, and he saw that all churches were apostate. And so he went to heaven. That's where the great battle occurred between God and Satan, and God threw Satan to the earth because what happened in 1914? World War I. They said, ah, you see, Satan was thrown to the earth. God established his kingdom rule and his organization here upon the earth, the Jehovah Witnesses. And when he returns, he will destroy all the kingdoms of this world. Those who survive Armageddon and are not Jehovah Witnesses will be given the job of cleaning up the earth. What will happen to the Jehovah Witnesses? Well, they will be protected from Armageddon. And that's the hope and the end times theology of the Jehovah's Witnesses. There are many ways to witness to Jehovah's Witnesses, Uh, several methods you can use. False prophecy is one of them. It's interesting that for Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that Jehovah is the true name of God, and it's the only name of God. And unless you call upon the name of Jehovah, you cannot be saved. It is the true and only name of God. What's interesting is this. In the New Testament here, the word Jehovah is never used. It's never used. If you look in the Greek manuscripts, we have over 5,000 ancient Greek manuscripts. Okay, the Bible is one of the best, well-preserved ancient books ever written. There's no book that's got so much manuscript evidence like the Bible. We've got over 5,000 ancient Greek manuscripts, earliest dating as early as 120 A.D. The Jehovah Witness Kingdom Interlinear translation of the Greek scriptures Even in their own Greek authoritative text, Jehovah is never used in the New Testament. Now, Jehovah Witnesses claim, well, the scribes took out the Jehovah, took out the name Jehovah and replaced it. Well, what proof do you have of that? You've got 24,000 ancient manuscripts to look at. Show me one. Wherever you see God, the Greek word theos is used, or kurios, never Jehovah. That's very strange if it is indeed the only true name of God. And there's several passages that you could share with them. Acts 4.12. Here, let me read from their translation. Furthermore, there is no salvation in anyone else, for there is not another name under heaven 
not another name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. Well, who is he talking about? Well, let's look at verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you impaled, but God raised him up from the dead, by this one does this man stand here sound in front of you. Furthermore, there is no salvation in anyone else, for there is not another name under heaven that has been given amongst men by which we must be saved. Jesus, when they come to your doorstep, you know, you just say, well, glad you're here. Could we take a look at a particular passage in the Bible that intrigues me? Maybe you can help me understand it. And you say, sure, what is it? Deuteronomy 18, verse 21 through 22. And what's that say? It says, oh, you may say to yourselves, how can we know? When a message has not been spoken by the Lord, well, if what the prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, you shall not be afraid of him. And you have them read that particular passage. And then you, you can look at them and say, is there any organization that fits the characteristic of a false prophet? And I will look at you and say, well, we can't think of any. And you say, well, let's, let's take a look at the record of the Jehovah Witnesses. And you just walk them right through this. I was sharing with uh, several ladies who had come to my doorstep, and I was just walking with them to the car, and they were moving pretty fast, man. So I was kind of walking behind them, trying to, you know, further get my point across. When this big Lincoln Continental pulls up, and this huge guy comes out of the car, and they all ran around behind him, and they showed him the sheet and began pointing at me. And I stood there by the car, and so he came over, and he started talking with me, and uh, he said, well, what are you sharing? And I said, well, I'm sharing articles from old Watchtower magazines. He said, what are these articles? And I showed it to him. And he looked and he said, well, we are not false prophets because of this. We've apologized for these. See, a true false prophet won't apologize. But we have repented of these. We were mistaken. And we apologize for everything. That shows the integrity of the organization. And I looked at him and I said, oh, you must be talking about Deuteronomy 18, verse 23. And he looked at me and he goes, 23, there's no verse 23. And I said, well, there's no verse 23 that says, but if the false prophet apologizes, everything is okay. And he got mad and he slammed my Bible and threw it to the ground. And then we were just kind of staring at each other, you know. And then he looked at me and he said, look at you, foaming at the mouth like the devil, you know. And so and I said, well, okay. I said, well, why don't you take this and, and go study it? And, and he said, I don't take anything from Satan. I said, oh, all right. So his wife lowered the window and she said, hold that sheet for me so I can see it. I said, okay. And she copied every single word, you know, on a notepad. And I said, why don't you just take this? And she says, we don't take anything from Satan. I said, oh, okay. So we stood there for a good 30 minutes as she copied, you know, the whole thing. Okay. So there's several ways to witness to Jehovah Witnesses. I want to share with you one way, and that is to defend the deity of Christ. Okay. This one's a little bit harder, but why am I sharing with you this? Well, because some of you might be shaken by the verses I just shared. And also, this is a great study for every Christian to know how we know Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God and how to defend that doctrine. First of all, the doctrine of the Trinity, is that taught in the Bible? One of the things they're going to tell you is that the word Trinity is never found in the Bible. That's correct. But the concept is there. Did you know the word Bible is not found in the Bible? Does that mean this book does not exist? Oh, okay. The, the word Trinity may not be there, but the concept is definitely there. And this is the doctrine of the Trinity. The triangle is the best explanation of it. There's one triangle with three distinct corners. 
That's the doctrine of the Trinity. One in nature, three in person. Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is not the Father. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. One God revealed in three distinct persons. We see that in the Trinitarian formula here in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Each one having a definite article in front of them. So one in nature, three in person. Now, the concept of the Trinity, there's three distinct persons throughout the Bible. Each one shares the title of God. For example, who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, in Romans 6, 4, the Father raised Jesus from the dead. But in chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus said what? Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it. Okay? Jesus raised himself from the dead. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Okay? That's the Holy Spirit. Okay? So who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. What about the creation of the world? Well, all three members of the Trinity are involved. Psalm 102, verse 25 says the Father created all things. Uh, Colossians 1, John 1, 1 says the Son created. And Genesis 1, 2 says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. Okay, so where there are uh, also the baptism of Jesus Christ, the all three members of the Trinity are there. Where there are very significant events in the Bible, often you'll see the three persons of the Trinity involved there. When a Jehovah Witnesses comes to your house, First thing, a lot of people get frustrated because what happens is they'll bring up a verse and the Jehovah Witness will say, Ah, Bob, see, you got a Christmas tree in your house. Do you know that's from pagan origins? And then Bob will start defending the Christmas tree. And boom, you're, you're, you're running on another subject here. We're defending the Easter bunny and the Easter egg and all of this. Okay, that's what they're trained to do. What you got to do is just keep them on one topic. Keep them on one or two verses. Right? When you bring up a verse, stick to it. All right, they're going to throw five, six other verses at you, you know, with the little brown book. And you say, well, those are great verses. I'll answer them. Well, right now we're talking about this verse. Could, could we stay on this verse? What happens, so many Christians get frustrated when they're sharing with their friends and family because they end up trying to defend and answer all these other verses. And as soon as you answer one, they throw another one, then another one. And the next thing you know, you're talking about the Easter bunny and the Christmas tree and all kinds of things. All right, so you stick to one verse. So when you're speaking with the Jehovah Witness, First thing you do is you, you, you take control of the conversation simply by saying this. You just said, you know, this is great. You know, I've studied the Bible, and, and I just have a brief question. And they'll say, sure, what is it? Say, who is the God of the apostles? And they'll say, Jehovah is the God of the apostles. And you say, then why is it that they, the apostles, worship Jesus Christ as God? And they'll say, where? Where do you find that in the Bible? First place goes Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. In fact, let me use their Bible here, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, just to let you know their Bible reads the same as ours. Uh, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means when translated, what? God with us. In their version reads, with us is God, capital G. Not a God, not a God-like being, not Michael the archangel, with us is God. Who was born of a virgin? Jesus Christ, God with us. Okay, so Matthew saw that Jesus was God. Okay, they'll look at you and they'll say, well, what about John 14? What about Colossians 1.15? What about... And you say, well, those are great verses. I'll answer those. But could you give me an answer for this one here, Matthew 1.23? Right? I haven't had one give me a good answer. Okay, they'll try to divert you and say, 
You know, Jehovah's organization, uh, Jehovah wants us all to be great witnesses for Jehovah. What are you doing as being a witness for Jehovah? And what do you say? It's great. Let's get back to Matthew 1.23. Okay? Next verse, John 20, 28. Okay? John chapter 20, verse 28. John 1.1 in the book, it opens with the verse, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the thesis John is going to try to prove to you here. Throughout the book of John, he demonstrates how Jesus Christ is indeed the Word of God, who is God. And John culminates in chapter 20, verse 28. Remember doubting Thomas. He said, unless I see the nail prints in his hand and touch his pierced side, I will not believe. And when Jesus appeared to Thomas, Thomas says this in verse 28. Thomas said to him, to Jesus, my Lord and my God. The Jehovah Witness translation reads, the Lord of me and the God of me. So Matthew worshipped Christ as God. Thomas worshipped Christ as God. And so did the Apostle Paul, Titus 2.13. Titus 2.13. Paul says, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. It reads the same in their translation. And you know what's interesting? Turn to Isaiah 43, verse 11. Jehovah says this, I, even I, am the Lord. Apart from me, there is no Savior. There is no Savior other than God. Titus 2.13, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God and Jesus share the same titles here. Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God. The apostles declare Jesus Christ to be the divine Son of God. Jesus declares himself to be God. Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, or in their translations, I am Jehovah. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another. God will not share his glory with anyone else. All right, now turn to John 17, verse 5. Jesus is praying, and he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence, with the glory I had with you before the world began. Wait a minute. Isaiah 42, God said, I will not give my glory to another. Jesus says, hey, glorify me with the glory we had before the world began. Jesus shares in the glory of the Father. Why is that? Because he is God the Son. And here's another one. Uh, Isaiah 44, 6. Isaiah 44, 6 says this. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Almighty. I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. How many firsts and how many lasts can you have? One. I only have one first and one last. All right, turn to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. How many firsts and lasts can you have? Oh, yeah, one. Well, who's speaking here? Who's, who's, who's the first and the last here? I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever. Well, who's that? Jesus. He shares the same title as Jehovah God. Another one. Chapter 1, verse 8 of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Who's speaking there? Jehovah, obviously. Turn to the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Who's coming quickly? Jesus. 
The Father is never coming quickly. It's the Son who is returning. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And if they're, not, if they're still not sure of that, Jesus, look at verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you testimony on the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears come. And verse ends in verse 20. Uh, he who testifies these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Who's the Alpha and the Omega? Chapter 1. That's Jehovah God. How many Alphas and Omegas can you have? One. Who's the Alpha and Omega in the last book of Revelation? It's Jesus Christ. They share the same title. Why? Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God. Some of you are wondering what about those three verses that Jehovah Witnesses use, and we're going to close by answering them here. Jesus said in John 14, 28, You've heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. How can Jesus be God when he just said the Father is greater than he? The answer is this. In the Trinity, there is an economy or a hierarchy. Okay? The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Holy Spirit. And they willingly submit to one another. Greater refers to position, not to nature. So when you're talking to Jehovah's Witness, you simply say this. President Bush, uh, not Bush, Obama. Okay? President Obama is greater than you and I. Would you agree? They will say yes. Why is that? Is President Obama a superior being to you and I? And does he have something we don't have that makes him a superior being? No. Why is he greater than you and I? Well, because of his position. Okay? He is the top officer of our nation. All right? That is why he is greater. Greater refers to position, not to nature. All right? And we see that uh, throughout the Bible. Colossians 1.15 that's a tough one. How do we answer that one? He is the firstborn over all creation. The Greek word for first one born or the first one given birth to is prototesis. But that's not the word that's used here. The word that's used is prototokos. And throughout the Bible, firstborn can mean the first one who is born or it's a title of power, supremacy, and preeminence to say one is firstborn. It's like saying, you know, I'm number one or I'm the top dog. Does it mean you're a dog? No, it means I'm supreme. Hey, and that's how the term is being used here, firstborn over all creation. Well, where do you find that? Turn to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. Hey, Psalm 89, verse 27. God is talking about King David here, verse 20. I found David my servant, and with my sacred oil I have anointed him. Hey, in verse 27, he says this of David, I will appoint him, David, my firstborn the most exalted of the kings of the earth. Okay? David is identified as the firstborn. Is David the firstborn son of Jesse? He's the eighth and youngest of the sons of Jesse. Is David the first king of Israel? No, he's the second. How then is it that he is the firstborn? Well, it's a title of preeminence. It's a title of power. He's the greatest of the kings of Israel. And it's on David's throne, the Messiah will come and sit. It is David's descendant, the Messiah must be. That's how the term firstborn is being used. And the last one here that we're going to mention before I close. 1 Corinthians 11 says here, I want you to realize the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. What's the answer to that one? You got it. 
uh, God has established a, a system of headship and submission. It refers to position, not nature. Okay, so if you're looking at a Jehovah Witness woman, most of them are women that will come knocking on your door. It says, the head of every woman is man. Women, the he- your head is your husband. Now, is there something about your husband that makes him a superior being to you? Women? No. No. How is it then that the head of every woman is man? Is it because man's a superior being to woman? No. It's by position. Same thing here. The head of Christ is God. God the Father, it's a statement of position, not by nature. Now, if you can answer those three verses, you pretty much answer all the verses that the Jehovah Witnesses are pretty much going to throw at you when it comes to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And if you can lovingly show Jehovah Witness that Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God, that's one of the best ways to lead them out of the organization and to the truth of Jesus Christ. As I close, I want to share this one story with you because a lot of you may be discouraged uh, with the numerous times you've shared with your friends and family, they don't seem to be coming around. I want to share this one story with you. Years ago, back when Daryl was calling us the cultivators and everything, I was running around the island trying to share with Jehovah's Witnesses. And I remember this one man came to our Bible study, and uh, he looked really distressed, and his name was Steve. I introduced myself and everything, and he said, um, you know, my whole family is a Jehovah Witness. My wife is, my two daughters are, my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law, my sister, everyone's a Jehovah Witness. I'm the only Christian around. Help me. So we went through this study together. And when we were done, he said, hey, I want you to meet my oldest daughter. She's the toughest one. Could you uh, sit down and, and, and maybe share with her? So I said, okay, great. So I sat down there at McDonald's there in IAEA, and I was speaking with his daughter. And two Jehovah Witness ladies who were over her came, and they rec- we recognized each other. We had several one-ins before, and I went, hey. And they sat down, and they said, It's Satan. It's Satan. And uh, I started opening the Bible, and I said, hey, we were talking about John 20, 28 last time. Let's talk about John 20, 28. And I began to share with them, and they said, we're not going to discuss anything with Satan. You know, I said, Satan? Preaching the Bible to God's organization? That's not right. You know, but they refused to open their Bible. They just called, calling me a spiritual fornicator, the devil, Satan, everything, and all that. And then when they were done, they looked at her and said, Stephanie, come with us. And they got up and left. You know, and I sat there after half an hour of being called the devil and everything, just so discouraged. And I thought, what a waste of time. You know, I didn't have to come here just to be abused by, you know, take a verbal tongue lashing from these women. I've been doing something else. So I went back uh, quite discouraged. And um, that's why I left and went to Dallas. No, just kidding. Uh, but then, then I went to Dallas for graduate school. I came back a year later, and Steve called me. And he said, hey, Pat, let's get together. I said, oh, all right. We got together for dinner, and there was his oldest daughter, Stephanie. And I talked with Stephanie. She said, you know what? I left the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I said, wow, all right. I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, you know, I just saw them. They wouldn't open their Bibles, and they just gave you a tongue lash. I kind of felt sorry for you, so I went home and started reading the Bible. And some of the verses you brought up, because I kind of felt sorry for you, and I realized, wow, you know, Jesus is the divine Son of God. Well, okay. Went back to Dallas, came back a year later. Steve called me and said, hey, let's get together. All right. Got together. He brought Stephanie. And then he brought uh, his youngest daughter, Serena. And I I introduced myself. And she said, oh, you're Pat. I said, oh, what's wrong? She said, well, 
I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I said, oh, what happened? Oh, well, my sister started sharing with me, and I, I came out of Jehovah's Witness, and I came to Christ. Oh, all right, praise God. Went back to Dallas, came back a year later. Steve calls me, Pat, let's get together. All right, got together. His uh, oldest daughter showed up, his youngest daughter showed up, and this time he brought his wife, Frida. I said, oh, hi, good to meet you. She goes, oh, you're Pat Zucran. I said, yes. She goes, I want you to know my daughters were witnessing to me, and, and I came to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Oh, all right. So I got the whole family there. Uh, went back to Dallas, came back, and uh, Steve calls me again. Hey, let's get together. All right. His wife shows up, two daughters show up, his brother-in-law shows up. And he says, you're Pat Zuckerman. I said, yes, I am. He said, hey, I left the organization. I've accepted Christ, my Lord and Savior. This is over, you know, a 10-year period. All right, a 10-year period. So it takes some time. So be patient as you share with them. It's not going to happen overnight. And don't think that the words you're sharing to a Mormon, a Christian scientist, your Jewish friend, your Islamic friend is not having any effect whatsoever. It is impacting them in ways you may not even see. And I pray that someday you will see the fruits of your labor. Well, we are out of time today, but we have more on the Jehovah's Witnesses at evidenceandanswers.org, including this entire series which evaluates this group. Lots of topics like these are at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. We want to encourage you to go to our website often, download all the information there, past shows, Pat's books and articles, interviews with leading experts, and a full analysis of spirituality and culture. You'll find the topics fascinating, you'll equip yourself, and you'll help us stay on the air. If you believe in a radio program that intelligently presents the claims of Christ and analyzes issues of faith and culture, then support us. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org, click on the donate button, and anytime that you purchase our resources, you help us stay on the air. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and we so look forward to hearing from you. We'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers 